Good morning, Providence. Glad to see you guys this morning. Thanks for taking a few minutes to join with me this morning. It's just me here. Uh, not going to be anybody else this morning. No singing this morning. Uh, part of what we wanted to do with this Sunday was to maximize safety for everyone uh, around Christmas with people traveling, going different places, being uh, in and out and those type of things. So uh, that included the band uh, who, who's getting a little bit of uh, time off and the ability to stay uh, away from one another, apart from one another. So it's just me uh, this morning, but we will have we will have music back uh, hopefully next week. And we'll let you know uh, this week what next week is going to look like. We're still in the process of evaluating what makes the most sense, what's the wisest course of action, whether we should be here at the church or whether we should be uh, we should be online uh, again throughout. Uh, some of January. So we're still evaluating that. We'll let you know via email, via social media, uh, phone call, text, however you would like to, uh, to find out. You're welcome to, uh, to do that as well. But we'll let you know and, uh, and let you know exactly what next week's going to look like. But this morning what I want to do is just take a few minutes and, and consider where our hearts are right now as we wind down 2020. Two days past Christmas, New Year's still just a few days out, right here kind of in the middle. And I'll tell you, this week for me has always been a bit of a difficult one to prepare a sermon. Just to be completely honest with you, I I usually preach on this Sunday, and it's always a a difficult one for me to be able to preach because uh, we've kind of finished up our Christmas series, our Advent series. Uh, We're usually not quite ready to start a new series just yet. Several people are usually traveling at this point. This is always one of the most difficult sermons for me to prepare every year. But as difficult as it is for me to prepare a sermon, for me personally, This is one of the richest, deepest times for me every year from a spiritual standpoint, from my relationship and my walk with Christ. And I think there's probably a lot of different reasons that play into that. I think there's probably uh, a lot of different things that are that are going on. But there's something about this week between Christmas and New Year's that that God just takes to to shape me, to mold me, and to kind of press uh, different things into my heart that I think he's working on with me, where the spirit just moves in certain ways, and, I, and, 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 and the calendar just, just puts certain things in front of me that the spirit then will use. And I, and I think part of the reason why is because our yearly calendar reflects what should be true of us from a spiritual standpoint. Here's, here's what I mean. Uh, for the past several weeks, we've been observing Advent. So we've been uh, lighting candles. We have been uh, doing the Jesse tree. We have been doing all these things that are built around the idea of anticipation, of something big that is coming, something uh, wonderful that is going to happen. And we, we build it around this idea of eager anticipation of what it, God is going to do. And now here on this side of Christmas, what God has already done. And the whole point in all of this is to remind ourselves of the longing that we should have toward Christ and to feel the weight of the birth of Jesus, to feel the weight of that moment in time and what it meant for us. And I have labored over the past few years and the past few weeks to try to communicate that, to make us feel that weight, to make us understand that reality, to urge our hearts towards that longing and towards that celebration that comes with it. Now, that day has come and gone. 
Christmas was a couple days ago. We're in the middle of the 12 days of Christmas celebrating Christ's first coming. But from a practical standpoint, this week is kind of a, a standalone week in many of our lives. I'm sure it's probably the same for you, at least for uh, a lot of you. So you get this, this week between Christmas uh, and New Year's. Christmas has come, New Year's has not. We're in this in-between of our, uh, on our yearly calendar, this in-between kind of no man's land that is there on our yearly calendar. Christmas has come, New Year's not quite here. And so there's this kind of dual vision thing that, that happens during this, this week for me, and uh, maybe you can, you can relate to this. I'm reflecting back on the past year. I'm reflecting back on the hustle and bustle of Advent season, of all the, uh, the logistics and the work that went into Christmas and Christmas trees and Christmas tree decorations and wrapping gifts and uh, getting gifts to family and opening gifts and then figuring out what to do with those gifts. I'm, I'm reflecting on all that went on uh, with Advent. I'm reflecting on all that went on with all of 2020. And goodness, there's a lot for us to sort through there. There's a lot that we could we could talk about so I'm taking stock of what was but I'm also taking stock of my heart and what will be I'm thinking about what resolutions I might make and that sermon's coming next week we'll talk about that but I'm taking stock of what resolutions I might make what God might be calling me to do as we turn a new calendar year where I need to work where God wants to work in my life and so I'm looking back but I'm also at the same time looking forward both powerfully pressing into my heart both powerfully working on me spiritually both have tremendous influence as those two things kind of come together uh, on my mind and on my heart during this week and in a very real way that's exactly how God calls us to live out our lives now to look back and remember and to look forward and to have hope. Look back and remember, look forward and have hope. And what I want to do today is I want to go to the book of Romans. I just want to look at two passages in the book of Romans. We'll be short this morning, but two passages from the book of Romans that will help us to live in light of both of these realities, the past and the future. So Romans chapter 6 verses 5 through 11 is what I will read first. Paul writes, For if we have been united with him in, death like, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has, di for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So this paragraph that we just read comes from chapter 6 of the book of Romans. Chapter 6 of the book of Romans. And Romans is usually considered to be the theological treatise of the New Testament. The, uh, the work written by Paul that best explains Christianity. It is, it is widely considered to, to be Paul's uh, explanation of what Christianity is. If you were to point to one book in the New Testament to say that's, that's the explanation of the Christian faith. That's the explanation of what it means to follow Christ. You'd probably be sent 
to the book of Romans. But six and a half chapters in, we get to these verses. Let me tell you why that's important. Because if you talk to a lot of people, they will tell you that Christianity is nothing but a list of rules and things to do. That that is the substance of our faith. Do this, don't do this. And you're given these commands, you're given these instructions. If you talk to a lot of people, that is what the Christian faith is about. But here we are, six and a half chapters in to Paul's definition and explanation of Christianity, and we get our first command from Paul. The first time where Paul says, do this. Do you see that there? He spends these verses reflecting on the nature and implications of the resurrection. He talks about the, the resurrection that has happened and what, what that means for us as Christians. He, he reflects back on an event in the past. And after reflecting on this old event, his first command is given to us in verses 10 and 11. And what is his command that he gives us in 10 and 11? What he tells us in 10 and 11 is that we need to live life in light of the resurrection. We need to live life in light of the resurrection. We must live in a way that reflects this thing that has happened in the past. There are two days on the Christian calendar, two days on the Christian calendar that stand out to us above all days. They surpass all others in significance. They surpass all others in weight. They surpass all others in our celebration of them. And the two days that we will always make sure to celebrate as Christians are Easter and Christmas. And we do not celebrate, we don't, we don't celebrate like uh, times of feasts. We don't celebrate pilgrimages where we go and do things. We don't, we, don't, we don't have these things built into our calendars as Christians that are built around things that we do. Times of penance, uh, times of pilgrimage, uh, times of feasting that are, that are built around our actions as a way to, to give reverence and all. What we build our calendar around is two days, Christmas and Easter. And we celebrate those two things. Those th two, two days take preeminence in the Christian calendar because they draw our mind to two historical events. The birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus. Historical events that happened at a, on a day, at a time in the past that we can look back on. Historical events that, according to Paul, we are to reflect on, and those historical events are to have massive implications for the way that we live our lives. So as Christians, we look back. It is, it is part and parcel of who we are as a people. We are a people that look back. Some will tell you that's a weakness of our faith. That as Christians, we just live in the past. We're always talking about something that happened 2,000 years ago. How can anything that happened 2,000 years ago have anything to do with how I live my life today? How can anything that happened 2,000 years ago have anything to do with something that's going on in 2020? You're just stuck in the past, Christians. That's a, that, that's a charge levied against many, many Christians. But I'm here to tell you that not only is that not something we should be ashamed of, that is something we celebrate. It is the bedrock of our faith. And I will proclaim it to anyone that will listen.
I am gladly tied to the past. I am anchored to the past. My faith holds strong because of events that happened in the past. We can never and we will never move beyond the truth of a virgin birth and an empty tomb. That is the basis for our faith and for our hope as we look back to Jesus. But Paul does not write that as a man who is stuck in the past. He does not write that as a man that's desperately kind of clinging to the relics of a forgotten faith that's struggling to hang on in the Roman Empire. He writes that because he wants us to look back, but then he writes just a few chapters later about how we're also to look forward. So turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, just a couple of verses over, a couple chapters over. And we'll read 18 through 25. Romans 8, 18 through 25. Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him, him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So in this, these verses here, Paul moves from the past and now he starts looking to the future. Do you see how he does this though? He does this by, by bookending the paragraph. So the, the beginning of the paragraph, he says, sufferings of this present time. So he's talking about the present and then he ends about waiting with patience. So he's talking about the presence. So he's got, he's got sufferings of the present time, waiting with patience, present events, present events, and then all this in the middle, what in the middle of those two bookends is rich theology that is built around the hope of what God will do in the future. How this world waits with an eager longing as it groans under the pains of the curse. I hope that language sounds familiar to you based on what we've looked at the last few weeks. This eager longing, this future hope. That's been our song of Advent. That is the story of Advent, the backbone of what we do. We are looking, uh, looking back. We were looking forward to the first Advent of Jesus, but where we sit now, we look forward to the second Advent advent of jesus we we were looking back on the the first coming of jesus now we look to the second coming of jesus we are between the two advents and we look back and and as we look back we we, we are we are currently in the place of of pain of suffering of groaning the text says in this creation certainly we can relate to that no matter what 2020 has meant to you, certainly you can relate to this idea that this world has been broken by sin, that it sits under the weight of that curse, and that this creation is groaning for someone to redeem it, to make it whole, to restore it. That's where we sit 
presently. And so Paul talks about the sufferings of this present time. But he says they're not worth comparing to what is coming. So he shifts our minds and our hearts and he says, look at all this mess around you. Look at the coronavirus. Uh, look at the, the, the death and the suffering. Look at the loss of jobs. Look at all the painful things you're dealing with. Look at all the crises that are going on around us. Yes, those things are real. Yes, those things hurt. Yes, those things make us long for something better. But they don't compare to that thing that is coming that will fulfill that longing. Friends, this is our testimony. This is our faith. Every bit as much as our faith is built on Christmas and Easter and historical events that have happened, our faith is built on the truth of what will happen, of what will happen when Christ returns and He restores and makes all things new and all things right and whole. I'll repeat what I said back in March when all of this mess started. I am more convinced of this truth than ever. The Christian faith is built for crisis, for suffering, for pain, for the weight of sin on this world that we are currently living in. Our faith is built for this moment. Now, it does not end the suffering, at least not yet. It does not end this pandemic it does not remove the weight that comes with living in this world. These are all realities we must deal with as we walk and as we go throughout this world. But it does teach us how to endure in hope in spite of it. Because we know that none of this has been done in futility. Because we know that God sent Jesus here once already and he will do it again. He's shown his faithfulness in the past and he will hold them true in the future. And we cling to that future hope. We cling to, to past promises that are true and future hope that will be true. And so that whenever suffering comes, whenever brokenness is, is, is confronted in front of us, whenever we, we come face to face with suffering, our faith is not shaken because we know that this is part of what we deal with in this world, but we know that God is going to redeem all of it. It is not shaken by the, 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 when this world pounds us, by, from, from the right and from the left, when this world comes after us, one after another after another, another, it holds fast because it's anchored to the past and it's fueled by a confidence in the future. When you look at this world, you see so much, especially in our own culture, so many people that have turned to politics for hope because their hope is only in the present. And their hope is that within four years, somebody will be here that will redeem things and will make things better because it's now is the only thing that matters. But as Christians, we can back away from that. We don't find our faith in any politician. We don't find our faith in anything that we can achieve here on this earth or that we can get here on this earth. Instead, we say, my hope is something totally uh, not of this world. My hope is fully founded on Jesus, on, on my faith in Him, and the future glory that doesn't compare with anything this world has to offer. There's no other faith that can offer you that. Every other religion, every one of them, will try to give you some hope based on something you do now. But Christianity says, I'll give you hope based on something that has been done in the past, Christmas Day, Easter morning, 
And I'll give you hope based on what will be done in the future. The resurrection of our bodies. The, the, the making whole of all that was broken by sin. And then we live in the tension of those two things. Holding tight to one, holding tight to the other, and saying I have hope today because of both of these things. So friends, this week, you've got a few days ahead of you now, a few days before the new year hits. What I would urge you to do is look back on Christmas Day, look back on Advent, look back on 2020, drink deeply from all the pain and the frustration and, and feel that, know that. Let it push you and drive you, but then look further past that. Look back to Christmas, look back to Easter, look back to what God has done and that our faith is anchored on. And then I encourage you to look to the future. Look to 2021. See what 2021 might be for you. And we'll talk about next week what that can look like. But then look past that too. And look to the future. Look to the day when Christ will return. Perhaps you won't, you won't need to know what 2021 will look like because Christ will return. But you look past the, the immediate things of this world. And you find your hope in another world. And you anchor there. And you trust that God is going to do great things. And he's going to make all things new. And he's going to restore and redeem. He's going to do all the things that he has promised he will do. Let that press into you this week and then let your hearts be anchored in those truths and as you think about what has happened and what is to come your heart rejoices your faith is renewed your hope is made stronger your joy is complete. And you say, thank you, Lord. I'll trust in you because your promises have been true and the hope of the future is incomparable. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this truth. Thank you that you have loved us, that you have cared for us, that our faith is not built on just some random texts and some random prophecies, but they're built on historical events that are true and that have happened, and they're built on what will happen when you come back and redeem and restore this world. Father, I pray now for us over the course of the next week that our hearts would be drawn to you, that our minds would be cleared, that our sin would find conviction, met with repentance and fueled by faith in your son it's in christ's name we pray amen love you guys merry christmas i hope you guys had a great one happy new year i'll see you next week